Welcome back to The Property Management Show. I'm Marie Tepman. And we actually have Dave Gorham back on the podcast today. He's the co-founder of Realty Solutions in New Jersey, and we'll dive into his philosophy around customers for life and how he's aligned his business to support that mantra. As a reminder, this podcast is brought to you by Four and Half Marketing Agency. Since 2012, we had been helping property managers grow their businesses through owner marketing from websites, content, online reputation, paid ads, SEO, you name it. Go to fourandhalf.com to learn more. That's F O U R A N D H A L F.com. And now a quick word from today's sponsor. Now is the time to add pest coverage to your resident benefit package. CoverPest seamlessly integrates with your existing benefit package to give your tenants a world-class pest control service at a fraction of the normal price. Visit CoverPest.com today and mention this podcast to get your startup fee waived. Dave, welcome back to the podcast. It's always nice to have you as a guest. Thanks for having me. I really enjoy being here. I'm glad that we inspired you enough to start your own podcast. That is That's right. very wonderful. Yeah, you guys did. You made it look easy and it's really not. So good job. <laughs> Thank you. It is, it is a lot of work, but you know, in the spirit of helping people learn new things, today we have you as our guest to talk about customer lifetime. And I know that this has been an important focus of your business for a while now. And so curious to know um, if you could share with our audience, when did you, and what made you decide to dial in on customer lifetime? And was that already front and center when you put up your business? Um, that's a good question. So I don't think it was ever intentional from the standpoint of customer lifetime, right? Mm -hmm. For for me, it was more about financial asset and exit strategy. So I look at customer lifetime um, exit strategies within that conversation. So when we probably right around the time, just before we met you guys mm -hmm. as a affiliate partner um, and, and I was growing, I was the key BDM and I would always talk to my clients about um, what's your exit strategy? Cause it was always interesting to me. Why did you buy this property or why are you going to buy it? What do you plan to do with it? Is it an equity position or a cash flow position? And what do you intend to do with it? If your financial advisor says, you know, it's a dog now, get rid of it. Um, the exit strategy being even, even if, you know, you're retiring or you're moving uh, out or you, you want to cash out all those types of things. That's to me now looking at what I was doing way back when um, I was talking to them about, let's create a customer for life out of you. Right. So um, it really spawned out of that conversation as a BDM trying to figure out how we could service that client in property management. And that was one focus of what, what I think what their customer lifetime experience was with us. So interesting. So it started out of curiosity and then you didn't yeah. really know what you were doing until in hindsight, you were like, oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It started out as a, as a kind of a BDM um, activity, you know, rapport building conversation and curiosity. And I, and I really wanted to know why they bought that property and what they intended to do with it. And then, you know, very quickly it, it kind of turned into, oh, well, 
they could sell with us as a brokerage, right? Um, some properties don't make money. Is that my concern as a property manager? Don't know unless I know what their strategy is in, with that property. They might have an equity position in a property which doesn't make cash flow now, but it's in a, it's in a, a community or a zip code that will, in an equity position, make much more money in five years from now. So when they sell it, right? As opposed to some of our investors are, you know, C type property investors and they have cash flow. It's never going to be an equity position. It's in a bad, quote unquote, it's in a, um, a, uh, a, a, an area that has lower income. So it's never going to have the equity, but it's going to have cash flow because there's still people that live there and work there. You're gonna how many, oh yeah. I was going to say, how many times did you have that conversation with people and they had no clue and they just a lot went silent on you a lot. So, a so lot. what and did I, you try to coax it out of them? Yeah. I think, you know, for me, it was that path of having a little bit more financial maturity and responsibility in the company and wanting to create that conversation to be an extended version of customer for lifetime, right? Mm. Not many of them understood it. So it became more of a rapport building conversation to say, you know, Rob and I have built this company like you did buying one property, having no idea other than, hey, we should buy property for, you know, our future longevity um, and investment portfolio. Um, so it was one of those things where, it was maybe curiosity, like Maria said, and a sales tactic. But sooner or later, now I'm teaching my BDM department that you now it's part of the conversation. You have to have that conversation now because you have to know who you're talking to. It's yeah. okay if they don't understand that, but we can be their advisor. And if they do understand it, we need to know when we onboard them. Right. Right. So it's if they don't understand, you're educating them. If yeah. they do understand, you're kind of setting the stage and giving them a glimpse of how they could, uh, giving them a glimpse of how the journey could look like and not just the property Absolutely. management as aspect. Because you have so many people that work with property management companies that sell their properties. And we've talked, I mean, I feel like we've talked about this a bunch where uh, the client's don't know the full scope of service. So they yeah. go looking elsewhere. And I feel like having this conversation up front posi positions you um, to have them use you for everything, right? Yeah, you, you and I had this conversation probably two, three years ago now when we were rebranding the website. It was yeah. about what what is our USP? Like what is what's unique about us? How do we dial in um, investors that are online at this point and tell them what makes us unique and what, what we, you know, what you and I kind of zeroed in on was that safety factor, that secure investment factor. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, that's really at the heart of what's your exit strategy because we can be your full circle or full life, um, customer lifetime within our company, you know, with a law office, with the property management um, division and everything everything that comes in and out of the property management division. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty remar remarkable um, how you're doing things from the sales standpoint, because trying to educate someone on how to think about, you know, 
owning an asset. Like you have to yeah. have a goal. You can't just like buy a property and just assume it's going to make money. Um, it lengthens the the closing cycle, right? Yeah. Because they're like, I just want to sign up with you. And then you're like, wait, we have to have a conversation about your exit strategy. What, why did you buy this property? And then, you know, you're spending all this time and you're not technically getting paid yet. And then at the end of it, if the owner decides that maybe they don't want to rent out their property, maybe they'll just like delay the decision then or sell you it. Really get paid. So like, yeah. how would you respond to, you know, a podcast listener who's saying, well, you're giving away too much at the front end. Like, should you have that deep conversation once they sign with you? Sure. Um, I, I think there's, there needs to be a distinction in the company, right? Mm -hmm. At what point services start, mm -hmm. right? So before services start, my attitude is give away everything give away all information that makes them a better client for life or a customer for life. If they don't choose us, they're still in my opinion. And this is what the BDM uh, department is, is growing into. They're still a colleague at that point because they're an investor. We're an investor, right? We're starting to put together programs internally that, that says to, you know, my two BDMs, they own their own houses, but they don't own an investment. Mm -hmm. I need them to own an investment. So we're promoting them to do that so that then they can talk as a colleague to those leads and prospects. Mm -hmm. Almost like building your network. Like you say colleague, yeah. but it's, it's networking too, in a way. Absolutely. Because um, to Maria's point, if, if after that conversation, I give away all the information that I have and they decide, you know what? my exit strategies change based on all the information you're telling me because now I'm more educated. Um, I don't want to be in this business, so I'm going to sell. Great. Then they're out of the business. They haven't hurt themselves. Or I want to buy more, and I think I could self-manage. Um, I don't view – no, I view any self-manager as my true competition. Mm -hmm. And at that point, they're also my future client because – what I truly know as an investor at some point it's overwhelming and you now own a property management company, mm -hmm. which is how we started mm -hmm. with too many investments. I have a kind of like a piggyback question to, to Marie's. So uh, their colleague, you're giving them as much information as they want. Do you have a limit on number of phone calls you'll have with them or anything like that? Or would you just, talk to yeah. them at any point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to say yes. And my flinch is to say to my salespeople, you're talking way too much to this person. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but in reality, it's a cure. It's that I think that begs even more to be more curious with your salesperson as to maybe he's not, or she's not selling correctly. We're in the right zone and not because it's not just about to have a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. It's about education. So there's what happens after the education piece, I think becomes true advisement and uh, a question like, how can we help? Because mm -hmm. there's, there's always going to be an end to the end to the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, yeah. I have not. Um, I, I do have clients that, and, prospects that do tap me, but I'm happy to have them tap me. 
I'd rather be an open book and give them as much information as possible so they don't, so that they can stay out of the weeds. Um, because to Maria's point, again, it's a referral thing. Yeah. Right. They, they're going to know somebody. Yeah. They might not be hiring you because they think they can yeah. do it themselves, but they'll recommend you to somebody if they're looking for a property manager yeah. and you don't feel don't like people take advantage. Yeah. Brittany, I think what comes up for me when you asked that question was that might be a salesperson worried about their time. Mm -hmm. Thinking like how much time am I spending with this person? They have to get a little bit more, um, uh, time spent or a little better at reading the room to know whether or not they're truly a colleague or just, mm -hmm. um, siphoning off free information. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And so in, in light of that, um, on the other end, right? So you have this whole process of teasing out people's goals or exit strategies at the beginning, educating them. And then let's say that they go ahead and decide to hire your company. So yeah. now you have a relationship with them, services start, quote unquote, um, is there a way your team computes the lifetime of that customer? Like, okay, we educated them. They're a good fit, but um, do you do things to like maximize like their lifetime and make sure that they don't just stop at that, like one property because your bread and butter are investors and yeah. you would hope that they keep growing their portfolio. Like what are the things that you've set in place? Yes, that's and that would be something recent in the last year and a half, two years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the pandemic was a huge um, a detriment to a lot of economy and industries. Um, it was a struggle for us and like everyone else that's listening. However, it did provide a lot of insight and time to get clear on who you are. So um, what came out of the time spent was how do we um, interface with our clients, our owners, more on better subjects? So the subject of their property and their portfolio. So we used to have a rule, um, uh, say five years ago, um, five clients a month that the property manager needed to talk to. That property manager was swamped with shit to do every day, just crushed. Do they really want to get on the phone and talk to and like shoot the shit with an owner and just not even know what they're getting in for? So what we've developed since then is a lot of efficiencies and a team like system that now there's a lead property manager that only talks to the client. And yeah, they might be talking to them on a daily basis or a weekly basis during the month, but now they have critical time or critical thinking at the end of the month to make that phone call and have it be a real conversation. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but that's a piece of it. We've, we've created operational efficiencies and a structure that has the lead property manager be able to talk to their owner like a true client. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do, right? What's happening? Are you buying any more property? And we, we use our systems too, to, to have constant conversations. So, um, you know, we'll sell to our clients, other clients' properties. Mm -hmm. And whereas, you know, in the past we used to promote that we we're a brokerage and we can go ahead and sell your property or buy property. What's happened in the last two years is 
we haven't even went gone on it on the on our MLS because we have owners that want to buy other owners properties. So you've got a win-win and then a double win-win because we keep the management. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been, um, it's been a, a, a path towards like having those conversations, like you said, um, rather than lead and prospecting conversations, it doesn't stop mm -hmm. now that they're clients So we can get better at it. Yeah. I think a lot of uh, pitfalls in client retention is the lack of focus in the keeping them stage. It's like, we put a lot of time and effort. Uh, there's a lot of content about, oh, how do you get them to sign a contract? Then after the contract is signed, you kind of forget about them because yeah. you're like, oh, we communicate with them. But like you said, yeah. you have to change the context of the conversations. It can't just be like the AC you know, needs mm -hmm. replacing or like their roof needs replacing. Now we have to have a conversation. It's like, yeah. how do you have other kinds of conversations so that when you call them, they're not like, oh, geez, here's another one. Yeah. 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 And have it be a genuine conversation or a partnership. Um, Brittany, you and I, a lot of the animations that we built were off of subjects like rent collection. That should be something that's dealt with on uh, a business development level or even someone surfing the web and learning a little bit. So that's what it originally intended for. Now I have my um, property managers giving it later on to clients yeah. to say, Hey, here's our rent collection process. This is what we do. And they might be clients that we've had for 10 years, mm -hmm. right? Just to kind of remind them of what we're doing. So again, it's, it really comes down to continuing the conversation and not, not being shy about what you do. We don't just fix the toilet at 2 AM on a Saturday. We don't just go knock on the door and ask for rent. We don't do either one of those things anymore. But point being is that we, there's so many multi, um, there, there's multi facets that we do that are extremely valuable and any property management or property manager that's not talking about it on some level is really doing themselves a disservice because you're just mm -hmm. a commodity. At that point. Yeah. I really love what you said about repurposing your content that originally was created to educate prospects and you're repurposing mm -hmm. that to drive value with your current owners, reminding yeah. them that like all this stuff we do, you don't have to worry about because we're your partner. I love that. Yeah. We have a new owner benefit package, newer, and we've had owners that opted, um, didn't opt out and didn't realize they were getting something. And then we had to reconnect with them mm -hmm. and discuss it. Um, we learned more after discussing something that we've already had in place for six months than we did when we were organizing it and setting up for a campaign and pushing it out. Um, because those clients are now educated to a certain extent and they want to know the granular pieces. And then we learn a lot more ourselves. So did you find yourselves tweaking the packages based on the feedback you got? Not so much tweaking the packages as much as tweaking the BDMs ah. on how they sell it and what they should be saying ahead of something else. To make and sure then, that people understand what it is. Yeah. And also yeah. understand when the BDM does a handoff on onboarding to the PM that the PM reiterates, mm -hmm. we don't just assume now, um, I think this came up a lot this month's meeting and last month's meeting. We don't assume now the PDM gets a new door dropped in their lap 
that the BDM did everything they needed to do. We can trust that they did, but we still have to reiterate things because we're, it's such a big business. It's a lot of information too. I mean, we do the same thing when we, we get a new client, you go through the entire sales process, right? And then you sign up for our services, you get assigned an account manager, everything gets re- reiterated because there's no way, unless you're taking crazy notes, you're not going to remember anything. And that's yeah. why I like it so much that your property managers are, are talking to clients on a regular basis, because it's not just that initial reiteration that needs to happen. It's, it needs to happen on an ongoing basis or else people do. I mean, that's exactly what you're saying. I'm just reiterating what you're saying. You're, um, you're so smart. <laughs> smart. But it makes a lot of sense. It's good. Um, and we'll also take that to a point of um, conflict resolution, yeah. right? Because yeah. a lot of it is misunderstanding or miscommunicated <laughs> either at the BDM phase or at the onboarding phase or the PM phase that in the sense that um, there's a conflict already, mm-hmm. our lead or senior property manager has to get involved and take ownership of that client in a way that they're saying, hey, I can help you, but first you need to understand what, what, who we are, what we have, and what you've paid for. Um, part of that is you know, going back to um, what the pandemic has done in, in, a, in a good way, we couldn't go out and meet people, right? Mm-hmm. So we're five years ago, I was saying, hey, PMs, call these five clients every month. Well, now, because of the pandemic, we have um, professional video conferencing with, you know, excellent software in conference rooms, huge. They have a conflict with one of their clients. Two PMs get in a room, call the client, get on a video conference, and it's like they're there in the room with them. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're able to see them eyeball to eyeball, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it levels up the relationship, you know, from text to email, to phone call, to video, to in-person. We can't in-person all the time because our clients are all over the place, mm-hmm. but we certainly can video. And once you do that video, it's a lot harder to be mad yeah. or misunderstand yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to... Um ask one more thing that I just thought of. Sorry, I don't want to get us too down this rabbit hole, but I am curious. Do you feel like most of your clients generally want to talk via phone or hop on a Zoom? Or do you do people have some hesitancy and just want to handle things over email or text? And if so, how do you how do you accommodate and does that impact the success of um the kind of the strategy to have the PMs talk to the clients. Yeah. I think we're probably going to the, um, the, the standard 80, 20 rule, 80% of them don't, you know, 20% of our work are the noisiest clients and residents. And those are the ones that we need to talk to 80% aren't, and they're okay with the way we communicate. And if they want, they can be proactive mm-hmm. and we'll be reactive, but we've put in place, some systems now in communication that allows us to be proactive just in case they don't say, Hey, I have a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. So we can be in front of them. Um, so most of it is probably 20%, you know, it, okay. if it's conflict resolution, if it's just rolling something new out, it's usually about 20%. Cool. 
Yeah, and it's and yeah, go ahead. There's also an email etiquette that we put out years ago that was if you email, if you're about to email the third time, mm -hmm. you need to stop and make a phone call. Yeah. That so if I send you, sense. Maria, something, you send it back, then I send it back, then it comes back to me. I'm, I, I'm, we're in it. We're in trouble now of miscommunicating something. So we've got this kind of checks and balances that says, you know, at that point, you're going to need to get on the phone. Mm -hmm. I like that. Very simple and clear. Yeah. And not it's not, yeah. <laughs> but you're not even talking about, cause when you initially said that I was thinking if you're emailing a client and they're not getting back to you, you're talking about trying to resolve a problem. And if there's yeah. too much back and forth, yeah, get on a call. Cause you'll get it squared away yeah. instead of, yeah. It's too efficient. Right? Was, and it, it, yeah, yeah, it's way hard. more efficient. Yeah. It's, it's, it's way efficient and it gets you into trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I actually, go ahead. I was going to say, even the BDMs on a situation where they're communicating information in an efficient way, it's not always the best way. Mm. Right. Passive. Yeah. Yes. I would agree. Email, text, maybe a bomb bomb video here or there. Um, but you really need to be eyeball eyeball with these clients, even if it's on phone, on the phone or video to really get them to, to see what the value is and that we, you know, that we care. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, the, the question I was going to ask was about quantifying it. So it sounds like your, your business has uh, done a lot of things to try to dial in on improving the experience of your clients so that they stay longer. But are you tracking certain KPIs to see like, how much are we improving on this? Like, do you know like your average customer lifetime, for example? Yeah. So um, I knew our customer lifetime um, pre-COVID, mm -hmm. which was about for us eight years. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. And a lot of things happened post-COVID, mm -hmm. the market being absolutely insane. Um, so the, you know, post COVID, the fear was a lot of clients are going to want to sell, mm -hmm. which, mm -hmm. which was true, except in order to sell, you have to have a buyer. Mm -hmm. So there's just as many buyers that become owners and can become a client. So it took us a little while to get a little unparanoid about losing a client over, um, through a sale. Now we, now it's a case where it's a celebration, mm -hmm. right? It's cause it's, guess what? It was their exit strategy mm -hmm. and we can help them exit out. And the best way to, to rein in a new owner is with a property that we understand. Mm. Right. So, um, I think we'll probably find in the years coming that we're probably going to be much higher than eight years. Well, and what right. an interesting question too is now that we're talking about you selling properties to a current from one client to another client is the question, not like lifetime customer value, but lifetime, um, property, property like, like, yeah. like lifetime. Of the, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I do. I, I do. And now that you're saying it, I can think of one property um, that was 
um, in a personal portfolio was an owner who is in trouble that we fixed his portfolio. We were presented, we as in myself and Rob presented with an opportunity to buy the portfolio. This property came along with it. We didn't want it very quickly. So we sold this one property to a client, excuse me, to a, to an outside buyer who then wanted management. Then after a year, hated the property as much as we hated it. Um, wanted it sold. So we put it on the market and then another one of our clients ended up buying it. And then they sold it and a new prospect came on buying. So yeah, we're left managing the property we didn't want to manage. You're forced. Um, yeah, you're... Yeah, we're forced to manage that. And, and you know, that's interesting too, from the level of that, that word forced. If we go back to my troubles as the owner of it, myself and the property manager couldn't see a way through the challenges of it. So we could solve it by selling it. The next owner was kind of the same way because he was really a beginner investor, mm -hmm. but the secondary people that bought it after that, we were, it would change hands with property managers here. And they had a fresh perspective on how to manage that resident or that chronic maintenance issue. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. it took a fresh set of eyes, right. To look at it. And so it's no longer a basket case. Yeah. It's just, it, it's interesting. Yeah, that and that's that's pretty interesting. And so it you know it sounds brilliant and and pre-planned and all that stuff, but as I talk it through with you guys, it, it's just I think it just comes from wanting to be partners with people and and be curious and stay aware of what you're doing and how what the return is on it. Because mm -hmm. sometimes the return is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Or you get stuck with a house you don't want to manage forever and definitely in purgatory. Yeah. So I have another question that I was curious about. Um, how does customer lifetime value influence the business decisions that you make? Because you obviously, you, you, you kind of pay attention to it and then you mobilize the team to create, you know, efficiencies in the business to support it. But what kinds of other decisions other than like communication with owners, you know, implementing an owner benefit package, are there other decisions that are influenced, like deciding how much to spend on marketing um, versus, you know, like um, spending more money on like the, another aspect of the business? Yeah. Um, I, I think without being focused and intentional on your, what you're gathering in the question, mm -hmm. I have seen it in conversations in the last year where we look at certain clients that we've had for a long time mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily, they don't necessarily fit the mold anymore or the ideal client. And when we look at them with the new benefits that we have, let's say resident benefit package and an owner benefit package, um, you know, and we'll just say what it is, a low property management fee, mm -hmm. which if we didn't have other, other, um, benefits and re other revenue streams, it would be a drag on the business. We would want to fire that client. We've looked at that and, and looked at it like, all right, so three years from now, where will that client be from a company revenue standpoint and how much better off will they be 
because their resident benefit package kept tenants in there or got better tenants. And the same thing with the owner benefit package. So we've actually changed the way we look at um, uh, shedding clients and look at really the client needs to fit um, kind of the global picture. Mm -hmm. And if they check off as, you know, 80% of the boxes, they don't have to be a hundred percent. So we can, we can take risks. You know, Brittany knows this. I'm, I'm a risk taker when it comes to the business. Um, but I'll make a quick judgment as far as to pull them, pull it back if we are losing. Um, so in this case, we haven't been shy about advertising in the last two years. Mm-hmm. You know, I would imagine most companies kind of pulled their advertising numbers back. Mm-hmm. We doubled down on all our advertising numbers because we saw where our revenue was going to climb. Which, so I think it was, which what? Marie, who, who recommended doubling down on marketing dollars when everybody else was pulling back? Greg Crabtree who is, um, who I was surprised um, when we interviewed him right at the onset of COVID. We were just talking yeah. to him about how to manage hits to your cash flow. And then he started going on about how the first, the first thing that business owners get rid of is marketing. And that is the opposite of what you should do. You should double down. And so, yeah, that's interesting that you had the hindsight too. Mm-hmm. Not hindsight, yeah. but yeah. And that's from well, a financial, financial advisor, but... It's, it's definitely, it's also marketing 101 or business administration 101 in college. I remember this from college courses. And when I came out of college and started my career, it was in advertising and marketing. And that was, that was the, the, that was the common sense. If business is good, save your money. Don't spend on advertising. If business is bad, double down on all advertising. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that stuck somewhere with me and I didn't really put it together until COVID. We did a, I remember doing a simulation. It wasn't um, business admin, this Batam 101 or whatever it is. I think it was, um, it was like a, an exit um, final class. I don't know what they're called. I've been out of college for so long that I don't know what they're called anymore. Um, there was a simulation that we did and um, there were different groups of people and you had to pull the levers, right? Do you spend more money on operations? Do you spend money on marketing? Do you spend money on customer service? And in every simulation, um, the people that spent more money on marketing did better, grew faster. It wasn't only marketing. You can't only focus on that, right? But the people that pulled back on marketing altogether, all all of those people, they didn't fail, fail the class, but their business, their Business, business simulation mm-hmm. did yeah. did not succeed as well as the mm-hmm. others. Um, yeah, we're in a position that. right now that I think it's I think we're we're cresting into a good phase that I will pull back on advertising. Right, I'll sink more money into digital stuff that's out there that kind of is a little bit more um, foundational. But as far as like ancillary advertising and sponsorships and networking, we probably will pull back in the next two or three years and save money yeah. um, and wait for the shift again and then get back in and start spending a lot more money um, when, you know, the market changes again. 
Yeah, I, I really like what you said. And I think we need to spend a little bit more time to hash that out. You said that you may take a step back on advertising and shift some dollars towards more other digital stuff that's foundational. I think it's very common when business owners think about marketing, they think that it's equal to advertising. And yeah. bulk of marketing budgets are spent on advertising because it is expensive to advertise yeah. online. But marketing is not just advertising. And I think when thinking of marketing, your strategy is like, it's not one thing. It's like I have a whole mix of things that make up my marketing. And some yeah. of them are foundational. Some of them are advertising. And within my marketing budget, I can shift dollars from one end to the next. Um, and I feel, I feel like that's a really important nuance um, to share with our listeners who may think that marketing is advertising, but it yeah. is really a subset. Well, I'll, I'm, I'm, we're getting to a point in our BDM uh, departmental meetings to look at the money spent and, you know, from our BDMs, like they're newer, they're, they're young, they're extremely strong, young to the business, extremely strong. But they're just starting to, after two years of in the trenches, they're just starting to maybe bring in your own business. Mm -hmm. It's still been, you know, business on the on the company dollar to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. So I let them understand that advertising, you know, marketing, promotions, and networking um, is all within one budget the way I'm spending it but can be parsed out so we can stop advertising in all the publications that we have right now and shift money or save money, but shift money into networking, which is really what we, what we did a lot in um, post COVID is we put a ton of money in net networking. Um, and during COVID we put a ton of money in advertising and marketing, right? So the, the website was pretty much, you know, born out of that, um, uh, that time period. So in, to relate it back to, you know, your topic of, of customer for lifetime, it's just that being able to show clients that, you know, we're not just property managers, we're business people. And we want to be a, around as long as your property is around, or as long as you want to be in property management, um, because a poorly run business, we could be awesome at property management, mm -hmm. but a poorly run business doesn't help that client out because we're going to go out of business. Very true. Yeah. You have to survive to serve. Absolutely. Put your mask on first. <laughs> yeah. I like that analogy. Well, yeah. thank you so much for sharing your stories, your insights, and the exciting things that you are cooking up at Realty Solutions, Dave. We appreciate you. Great. I appreciate being here. And that's all we have for today's episode of The Property Management Show, brought to you by 4 and Half Marketing Agency. Since 2012, we've been helping property managers get more owner leads through marketing, from websites, SEO, content, online reputation, paid ads, you name it. Visit 4andhalf.com to learn more. That's F-O-U-R-A-N-D-H-A-L-F.com. And as always, feel free to send your feedback, questions, and comments to us by emailing marketing at fourandhalf.com. And if you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review on the listening app of your choice. Thank you and see you next time.